The Word of God is living. It is powerful, infallible, indestructible, incorruptible, and it will work mightily in me. And now, your host, Pastor Jerry Maya Williams, from the service already in progress. In sales and marketing, they sent me to Dallas, Texas for one month of training. And during that one month of training, much time was spent on how to overcome objections. In other words, when a prospect or, or a would-be customer, when they're thinking no, they taught us how to overcome their objection that supported that no. We do the same thing with God. God wants us to do this, that, or the other. God has a purpose, a plan, and a will for our lives, and we're constantly raising objections to God. When you raise an objection against what God has said, that makes God angry. So God told Moses, you go to the elders, gather them, and tell them that the Father of your God, the Father of Abraham, the Father of Isaac, and the father of Jacob has sent you. And Moses raised another objection. He says, well, I don't even know your name. Who shall I say sent me? God, God said, just tell him I am that I am. Tell him I am sent you. That wasn't enough for Moses. Moses said, well, Lord, I'm not eloquent. I'm slow of speech. I'm slow of tongue. But Lord, can't you find a better man to send to me? Then in Exodus chapter 4, verse 14, the Bible says that the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Why was the anger of the Lord kindled against Moses? Because Moses raised objections to what God wanted for himself and for the children of Israel. This is why God gets angry with us. When we know our purpose, when we know the plan God has mapped out for our lives, when we know the will of the Lord, and yet we disobey God and we raise objections, we make excuses while we can't do what thus says the Lord, it will kindle the anger of the Lord against us. That was the first time that God ever got angry because somebody stood between his purpose, his plan, and his will, not only for their lives, but for the lives of those who were oppressed. God says, I'm angry about this. You want me to find a better man. Many of you think the same way. You think that God should choose somebody else. There has to be somebody else better than me to do this that's why God chose you. You are uniquely made in the sight of the Lord. God chose you because nobody can do it but you. You may say somebody can do it better. God doesn't want it done better. God wants it done the way you'll do it. We're just raising objections against the Lord and wonder why God is angry at us. Well, that was God getting angry at an individual. Then I looked at Isaiah 54 how God got angry at a nation. In Isaiah chapter 54, beginning at verse 6, 
Here the Lord will express his anger toward the nation Israel because of their unrighteousness. Isaiah chapter 54 verse 6 says, For the Lord has called you like a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, like a lustful, like a youthful wife when you were refused, when you were abandoned, when you were rejected, says the Lord. Then God goes on to say for a mere moment, for a mere moment, I have forsaken you. God will never forsake you forever. The same way he forsook Jesus on the cross. He only only forsook Jesus momentarily when he took on our sins upon his own body. For a mere moment I have forsaken you. And with great mercies I will gather you. God says with great mercies even though I forsook you for a small moment but with great mercies I'm going to take you back. That's what God is saying. You're my wife, and I'm going to take you back. Verse 8, with a little wrath, I hid my face from you for a moment. But with everlasting kindness, I will have mercy on you, says the Lord, your God. This is the attitude of God. If you're going to be disobedient to God, if you're going to raise objections to doing the will of God, God says, you're my wife. And if you're going to be that way, then I'm going to reject you as my wife. But my rejection would only be momentarily because I'm going to gather you back. I'm going to take you back. I'll forsake you just for a moment because my mercies are just too great. With great mercies, I'll gather you. I'll take you back. Even though you've been an unfaithful wife, So in anger, God forsook Israel just as a man will forsake his unfaithful wife. We need to understand that God wants to show the mercies of God. This is what David was talking about in the 30th Psalm. He was talking about no matter how angry God may get with us, it's only going to last for a moment because his, his favor has been promised to us for life. You have favor for life. You have favor for life. I have favor for life. All because of the mercies of the Lord. What are the mercies of the Lord? Isn't that what he told Israel? But with great mercies, I'll gather you. So what are the mercies of the Lord? This word mercy This word mercy means favor and kindness. Let me say it again. God says, even if I get angry with you, my anger is going to last for a moment. Then I'm going to gather you. I'm going to take you back. And I'm going to show you my favor and my kindness. And I'm going to do it every day, God says. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 23 says, that the mercies of the Lord are renewed every morning. Did you hear that? We sing a song sometimes about the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. But they are renewed every morning. Every morning you wake up. 
Every morning you get out of bed and your feet hit the floor, God says, I want to show you my mercies. I want to show you favor. I want to show you kindness. This is every day is a good day because this day is the day that God wants to favor me, that God wants to be kind to me. His love never ceases. Favor is absolutely fair. Jesus, in Luke chapter 4, when he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, they gave to him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and Jesus found the place, Isaiah 61, where God has said these words, and Jesus said them in the hearing of all. As Jesus began to read from the book of the prophecy of Isaiah, Jesus stood there and he told the hearers, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the recovery of sight to the blind. And to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Then he said, for this day, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. For this is the acceptable year of the Lord. Don't miss that. This is the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable year of the Lord is the year of God's favor. So whatever year you're living in. This is your acceptable year of the Lord. This is your year of favor. Because his moment, his, his anger is only but for a moment. His favor is for your lifetime. Weep in me and do it for a night. But joy comes in the morning. And unlike what the psalmist said in another place, Psalm 63, verse 3, he says that God's favor is better than life. Better than life. In other words, what kind of life could you live and what would be the quality of your life that you could live without God's favor? Think about it. What would my life be without God's favor? Huh? This is why Psalm 63 verse 3 says, Thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless you. I will lift up my hands unto your name. Favor is better than life itself. A lot of people have physical life. They inhale. They exhale. They have a heartbeat. Pulse rate. I should say a respiration rate. But they're the walking dead. Because they don't have the favor of God. But God will chasten us. He chasten whom he loves. Mm -hmm. Hebrews 12 tells us. Because God loves me, he will show his anger toward me. So that I can avail myself of his lifetime promise of favor. Now say with me, notwithstanding God's favor. Notwithstanding God's favor, he already said favor is for life, it's for a lifetime. Jesus said, I have come to give you that life and life more abundantly. 
notwithstanding the promise of a lifetime of favor, the psalmist went on to say in Psalms 30 verse 5, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. What was David talking about? David knew firsthand about what he was writing. God chastised David. Hmm? He chastised David for his adultery. Remember that? He chastised David for his conspiracy to murder. He chastised David for his pride and numbered the people. And his chastisement was to afflict David and his kingdom with nothing but turmoil and many woes. David was on the run like an animal being hunted or hunting his prey. David fell. But God continued to love David. God continued to favor David. But David weep for a night. But he says, joy is coming in the morning. How long is the night? I am not talking about 12 hours. Your night could be one night. Your night could be one week. Your night could be a month. And some people have been living in the darkness of the light of the night for years. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's your night. But when you come to the realization that no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're surrounded by, God loves you so much. And even if he got angry at you, it was only for a moment. Because his favor is for a lifetime. So go ahead and weep for a night. Because you know joy is coming in the morning. Huh? Weeping. Weeping. Did you ever have to weep about anything? Oh, I've been through some things. Some things made me cry like a baby. But I thank God that joy came in the morning. Huh? You know, weeping through the night, let me give you a picture of what weeping is like. How many of you have driven through, for example, the tunnels of West Virginia or some of the tunnels out west? You know, these tunnels that go for at least a mile or more through a mountain. Weeping is like passing through a dark tunnel. But there's a light at the end of that tunnel. Do you hear what I'm saying? At the end of that tunnel is life. You've been going through a dark tunnel of grief, a dark tunnel of suffering. But at the end of that tunnel, your joy is coming. The light at the end of the tunnel speaks of joy. This is what Jesus preached in the Sermon on the Mount. In the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed. Even when you're going through, you're still blessed. Even in the midnight hour, you're still blessed. Weeping men do it for a night. You're still blessed. And that's why joy is coming in the morning. Huh? So night. David is using in our foundation 
scripture, when he says weeping may endure for a night, night is a metaphor. Night is a metaphor for darkness. A metaphor for grief, mourning, sorrow, suffering, tests and trials. We've all been there. And when we were going through, when we were in pain about anything, we were going through a night. But thank God, joy comes in the morning. Morning is also a metaphor. Morning is a metaphor for light. Light. Even though you're in a dark place, just look up. You'll see light. Look up. Stop looking down. Lift your head and look up. Lift your head and look up and you'll see light. Morning is a metaphor for light. Morning is a metaphor for new hope and new expectation. Morning is a metaphor for a new beginning in the joy of the Lord. Do you hear what I'm saying? Hmm? Psalms 30, verse 11, God says, I'll turn your morning into dancing. I'll turn your morning into dancing. Why? For my anger is only for a moment. My favor is for a lifetime. That's all right if you're weeping. It's all right if you find yourself in the night. Because weeping may endure for a night. But in the morning, in the morning, God says, in the morning, I'll turn your mourning, your sorrows into dancing. Glory. Glory. So what is David really saying here? When he says weeping may endure, 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 endure for a night. This time last week, Joyce and I was checking out of a hotel. In fact, we were at one of the Hilton properties and uh, checkout time was 11 a.m. in the morning. I went to the desk clerk and I said, is it okay if I check out an hour later? just trying to get my money's worth. Is it okay if I check out an hour later and she had to send it up the chain to somebody else in the office? Oh, they said, oh yeah, fine. That's fine. I need you to understand what's happening here. When David says, weeping may endure for a night. This word endure is the word loom, loom. L-U-W-N in the Hebrew text. And the word loom means to lodge. It means to sojourn as a wayfaring stranger. You get the picture of a stranger checking into the hotel, checking in into an inn. But he's only supposed to be a guest for one night. And then when the morning comes, he's supposed to check out. It was God's will and God's intention that our darkness, our sorrow, our grief, our pain, our tests and our trials, it was God's will for those things to check in for a night. Then check out in the morning when the joy of the Lord would come. But what we do is what I did with the hotel clerk last week. I went to them and said, I like to check out later. I like to have a 
late checkout. This is how we've been living our lives, beloved. Sorrow has been checking in into the hotel of our life. Come on, grief and sadness, mourning, tests and trials, even pain. And we keep giving them a late checkout. When the Lord said, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Don't allow them to have a late checkout. Glory to God. So sorrow is meant to be a guest for a night. Huh? And in the morning. Did you hear what I said? In the morning. Come on. It's supposed to check out. It's supposed to check out in the morning. And that's when your joy comes. Joy comes in the morning. It's like the song they used to sing in the old church. I may have heard Lady Tresenda sing this song too. But I remember as a little boy, my father at his church, oftentimes they would have what they call afternoon and evening programs. And they would invite different musical groups, mainly quartets to come in. And I used to hate going to those things. But when the uh, group called the Spiritual Joys was the guest, I looked forward to going to those things because I love the way they played that song and the way the leader of the group sang that song. These are hip slappers. And I love that song. When they would sing, Trouble in My Way. I got to cry sometime. Trouble in my way. I got to cry sometime. I lay awake at night, but that's all right because Jesus will fix it after a while. In other words, Jesus will fix it when joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. Never find yourself in Moses' shoes objecting God, resisting God, pushing back against God. Never find yourself in David's shoes when you've committed adultery, conspired to murder, been lifted up in pride. Never find yourself in those shoes because God says if you're an unfaithful wife like Israel was in their unrighteousness, God says, yes, I will forsake you for a moment. Because of my mercies, I'll gather you back. Because my mercies endure forever. This is why we say, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I believe it's due time for morning time in many of our lives. Too many of us have been struggling in the dark of the night. Too many of us have stayed in that dark place. It's time to allow God to turn your mourning into dancing, to turn your grief and your sorrow into the joy of the Lord. And how do you do that? You got to make a shift. You got to make up in your mind that even though this seems like the midnight hour for me, I know that the joy of the Lord is my strength. And when you make that shift and begin to feel the joy, talk about the joy, all of a sudden there'll be a dawning of a new day in your circumstance. All of a sudden you see the light at the end of the tunnel and you know that joy is coming in the morning. Let us pray. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes 
in the morning. This morning is your morning. Today is your day to receive the joy of the Lord. For his anger is only for a moment. His favor is for life. Your weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Begin to confess it's morning in my life. Begin, begin to believe to see the light. Begin to have new hope, new expectation. Begin to believe this is a new beginning. And if you really believe that, beloved, you act as though it's all. You begin to lift your hands and you begin to worship God. You begin to praise him. Thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless you. I will lift my hands unto your name. Why? Morning has come. And when morning comes, the darkness of the night dissipates. The darkness flees. And now you're in the light. And now that you're in this light, you walk in that light. Have fellowship with one another, knowing the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, has cleansed you from all your sins, your disobedience, your failures. God has cleansed you from all your sin. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for chasing us. Thank you that when you get angry with us, it's only for a moment. But thank you for the promise that your favor is for a lifetime. Teach us, Father God, to draw from the favor of God, to always believe you're always up to something good in our lives. And God, even when weeping comes, I pray, Father God, that it only endure for a night. But let joy come in the morning. Let us experience a new day, a new way, a new season. And let that season be inundated with the joy of the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for turning our sorrow and our mourning, our mourning into dancing in Jesus' name. Well, beloved, there it is. Joy comes in the morning. Today is your day. Glory to God. And just believe God by faith that your night is beginning to turn into day. And the joy of the Lord is coming. Remember faith, which worketh by love. Have faith in what God has said. Have faith that you have God's favor for a lifetime. Have faith that you're not going to go through and always go through. It's all right to go through, but you got to get through because joy comes in the morning. And so when you're going through, see that light at the end of that dark tunnel. And know that I am going through. I'm coming out of this. So use your faith, beloved. Faith. And works by love. I always tell you that, how faith works by love. Do you love the Lord? Do you love the Lord? Then use your faith. And allow your faith to work by love. Then walk in it. Walk in love. And have faith in God. We can stay. We only got
Join us Sunday at Agape Word Fellowship, where Dr. Jerry Maya Williams is your pastor, proclaiming a life-changing message of the agape love and power that God is. For more information, log on now at www.agapeword.net. 1430 South New Hope Road, Agape Word Fellowship.